What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical, where we talk all things training, nutrition, and mindset optimization, while making sure to not lose sight of the practical and applicable side of things. I'm your host, Jordan Lips, and I just wanted to say thank you for taking time out of your day to tune in. I appreciate you. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are honored to have Susan Niebergall or Suzanne Niebergall or <laughs> best best shoulders in the game. Like, however you know her, she's with us, and we're, uh, we're very blessed to have her here and excited to have you. Thanks for having me. This is great. It's great to see you in person here. Yes. Kind of, well, you know, as in person it's, as we can. It's, it's, it's pretty it. safe COVID-wise. This is about as, as yeah. in person as we're going to get right now. Yeah, it's good. That's right. That's uh, great. Glad we don't have to wear masks on a Zoom call. It's very good. Yeah. 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 And and um, you just said you were you were in Virginia and things are open up, which is kind of nice. And uh, back in the gym, which is kind of nice. Yeah. But we, we saw you have a little home gym set up back there, which is cool. Um, definitely enjoying seeing people embrace some at home training and understand this. Like, I'm sure you and Jordan are doing a lot of uh, like uh, programming, and a lot of it's geared towards this like minimalist style of like, hey, we need to maybe adjust some tempo and embrace some higher rep ranges and a little more body weight. And I've, I've found that like coming back to that, like minimalist roots has been really fun. We do a lot of that right now since April, actually, we totally um, restructured how we did our monthly additions. We usually put one workout for the month in there, mm -hmm. which is gym based. And starting in April, we did two. One was a gym based month long program and one was an at home month long program. So there were options for everybody. Um, and we've since backed off the at home because we built our library full of other at, at home workouts that people could download. Um, so the at, the at home crowd is still really taken care of, but yeah, it was a smart move because I mean, so I mean, none of us had access for months, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and sure. now they're starting to open. And I have to say, I was at a point in time, I, and I don't know if you were like this Jordan during at any point during quarantine, but at some point. I just felt meh about everything. Like I described it as being a cross between sad and irritable. I just was bleh about, in the, including the thought of gyms opening. I'm like, cool, I get, I, I don't know. I just kind of got into this funk, but when it opened, I went, I was, went on the first day and it literally, it took me maybe five minutes. And then I was like, oh yeah, this is my, this is familiar. This is it yeah, yeah so yeah. i felt really good and 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 as i was telling you earlier there were three of us there so it felt very safe to go there's just probably something like like almost chemically in the brain of in terms of maybe it's serotonin or something like we're lacking human connection human interaction just probably brings down our like baseline level of optimism like just missing that component of my life that just yeah. like you said there was like i was at all times like meh and just kind of like the best I was going to get in terms of headspace was like just in a decent place like never super psyched about anything you know yeah and I'll tell you the one thing that I did do during quarantine which I'm still continuing to some degree is I gave myself three things per performance wise that I needed to do every day like I did 300 band pull-aparts every day I did chin-ups every day like just grease the groove though um and I built, I've built that up now to doing weighted chin-ups now. And that's, that's was my big gains over quarantine. It's because I did, I touched on them every day, increased my numbers every day, and then backed off the reps and increased weight. Not every day. Uh, I'm, I'm now at 35 pounds and that ain't happening every day. So. <laughs> that's probably for the best, yeah. But that, those kinds of things kept me going. 
you know they they were like literally one night i was upstairs i was getting ready to go to bed and i'm like oh crap i didn't do my band pull aparts let me go down and do them you know i mean it was just one of those non-negotiables and i think that helped the mental piece of that whole mess more yep. than anything yep for sure for sure um that that's absolutely it maybe not in the same vein of like doing something exercise wise every day but just i've had friends who are in new york city who didn't go outside for a week or two at a time. Yeah. And and I would, man, every single day, multiple walks outside, multiple times. Like for me, like it's a weird thing, like getting my bare foot on the grass, like just feels like, man, I'm outside. Like I'm in a little bit, even if it's outside of my apartment complex, like whatever, I'm the weird dude with like his socks off. Like it just, it is what it is. And I, I just don't, I don't think I could be cooped up in, inside for so long, not get sun on my face, like whatever it was like that, that was like, keeping me hanging out by a thread. So yeah, it's yeah it's I, I feel you on that. You know, we're, we're in the suburbs. So, you know, I have a yard. I actually have a pool in my yard too. And um, it's been a great summer for that. Um, just being outside, getting sun made all the difference because I would go through periods of three and four days where I hadn't left my house. And I'm like, oh, I can't do this. This yeah. is not good. This is feeding into the icky feelings. It's, it's just not healthy. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, just glad that we're a little bit turning the corner and obviously fingers crossed that it's headed in the right direction, you know. Amen, yeah. please. <laughs> so in terms of the first thing I wanted to talk about with you today, we had a little talk offline beforehand about, you know, when somebody, either they come to you in a DM or it's just a figurative person decides, hey, I'm looking to change my physique. I want to either lose fat or build muscle. Where are they putting their eggs first and versus where should they be putting their eggs in terms of like, allocation of effort like we all have a finite amount of effort that we can put towards things and you know generally speaking it's probably good if the things that you're putting your effort towards have good rois in terms of results and i just feel like and i'm sure you can agree and i'd like you to touch upon you know where do people go wrong in terms of or where potentially do people go wrong when it's time to make a decision about how to improve my health or in this context fat loss um where are people putting their efforts and where kind of should they be putting their efforts you know and i think that's a great question um I think sometimes people, when they want to start, they get overwhelmed by all the things that they hear and the things that they probably feel like they should change. And then a lot of times they do nothing as a result. Um, so, and the other part of that is I see when people do start, they, they focus on what I call the driver of the fat loss. I mean, the, the passenger of the fat loss car, which is training. They focus on training, which is great to be active and start walking or doing whatever. Absolutely. But they completely ignore anything going on with the most important factor, which is nutrition, because it's the least fun <laughs> to have to, to have to worry about. So I tell people this, I, I give them one or two things to do. Um, and the first thing, if you want to do a nutrition based thing is literally write down on a piece of paper, everything you put in your mouth every day. Uh, it, you don't have to weigh it or measure it or, you know, track it or just, I had a bite of a sandwich. I had a handful of this. I had a latte. I da, 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 you know, just make a list. And literally I'd put it on a piece on a pad of paper, forget apps, forget all that stuff. Just write it, get back to a pencil and a paper. That's my old, that's the old get off my lawn, old person speaking here. <laughs> but I do feel like when you write it, there's a little bit more of an investment when you actually hand write it down. And then what happens is you start seeing exactly what you're putting in your mouth every day. And that alone starts to bring around change. You start maybe having second thoughts about putting whatever in your mouth. You'll just bypass that handful of almonds. And then you're gonna start seeing things slightly move. And it's like, that's where it begins. You have to be aware. 
you know, that would be the nutrition thing I tell people to start with. The training thing I tell people to start with, look, walk, for God's sakes, everyone can do that. Someone asked me on my Instagram the other night why I recommended walking and not Peloton. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought that was kind of a weird question. Does everyone have but a Peloton? I, said, I, I recommended walking because everyone can do it. Not everyone has the money to get a Peloton. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, I mean, even if it's like five minutes a day, go out because chances are that five minutes is going to turn into more, especially if you get a podcast. Like I like to listen to your podcast. I like to listen to podcasts when I walk. So sometimes that five turns into 10, 15, 12, whatever. You will find yourself increasing time there. I, I just like those two places to start. You know, because I think people think they have to do it all and you really don't, you know, yeah, just and start there. The The word you said was awareness. And I think that there's like everybody wants to I, in, in my coaching, we have like a little bit of a step by step process that whether or not the client is aware of that we're moving through different um, points of emphasis. And the first one is awareness before quantification. Everybody wants to quantify. Everybody wants to count something. Everyone wants to track something. It's like, yeah, man, let's just get aware of what your habits currently are and and I know you know this, how how much good actually comes from just being aware? Like, don't count a calorie. Like you said, it's like, oh, I have to write this thing down. M maybe I don't want it right now, actually. Like, maybe I'm just yeah. adding some awareness, some, like, quote-unquote mindfulness behind some of the actions I'm taking. And I think uh, that is such an overlooked thing when a client shows up to a coach. It's like, give me the numbers. Like, what am I doing? How many reps? How many sets? How many calories? And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I would yeah, just write down on a yeah, just write down on a piece of paper what you've been eating. Let's do that for two yeah. weeks and see how yeah. your habits already are going to get better. So I love that. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I think you know, I think sometimes people feel like that's not enough. Like I should be doing more. And I try to tell people this: more is not better. Better is better. So do this really well, and then let's move to the next thing. And we can choose what the next thing is, but let's move to the next thing. And, you know, exercise wise, maybe you go from walking and now you're going to add three sets of squats in your house every day or something like that, or push-ups, or, or whatever it is. Um, and then on the nutrition side, maybe you're going to focus now on, okay, every time I eat, I want to get some lean protein in my meal, you know, something you pick something else to work on. And I think, I think as a society, we want everything to move. We want everything to go, 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 go. Instant gratification, blah, blah, blah. So people, I think, sometimes are thinking, what's that going to do? That's kind of wasting my time. Let's go, you know. And no, it kind of is not wasting your time. It's starting to build. You're, it's laying your foundation is what it's doing. I find that, and correct me if it, or, or, or touch on this if this is something you feel as a coach, I feel like oftentimes – the point at which people will reach out to a coach for a serious inquiry of like, I'd like to get coaching, I'd like your help. They're often in a highly motivated place, but that motivation isn't from like, a, I really wanna do things right. It's a motivation that's like from a little bit of like a rock bottom feeling where that motivation is usually driven by like self-loathing, self-hate, I've failed. And while motivation can be a really great thing, when you have so much of it and then you come back with a piece of uh, advice, like, hey, let's walk twice a day and just write down what you eat it's almost like not feeding their need to do it and if they mm -hmm. it's because they're finding you in this like rock bottom or in a place of high motivation that they want that big task they want to capitalize on their on their motivation and my guess is you being a good coach like you you point that out to them say hey i know you're super motivated but let's channel that motivation into something long-term that's going to work and let's not throw mm -hmm. you in with the wolves and be like you know somebody's like hey give me the meal plan like instead of you being like 
yeah, great. Here's the meal plan. It's like, well, let's, let's slow down. Yeah. Let's talk about some basic habits. And I find myself talking people down from what they want to do towards what they probably should do more than I find myself like pushing people into more. I mean, it's exciting, I think, to start. And, 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 I, and I love that excitement. But I also find that to keep up that level of motivation or whatever you want to call it is impossible. That's not going to happen. And so I think that's where a lot of people go wrong is they, they actually have gone too far maybe over to the positive, oh, I'm ready to go rah-rah side because you're not going to keep that up. You know, so maybe you know, try to dial that back. I will say that I do, you know, I, I do change it from person to person, you know, I mean, everyone's different. So someone may be able to handle something else too. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like a blanket for everybody, but, but I guess the point is to start laying foundations that they build upon whatever they are and, um, and then pursue other things as you go. And I think that's the way, that's the whole long-term thing. And that's sometimes where people get a little antsy. You know, because it, this isn't going to happen overnight and it is going to take practice and you are going to screw up and then you're going to get back up and do it again. And, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things. And I think people sometimes feel like they're wasting their time, like they're not moving fast enough. I, I call it the case of the should be's like I should be losing weight faster. I should be lifting weight. I should be, should be, should be. And that's this weight that we put on our shoulders. And if you can get rid of that weight by saying, you know what, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Once you can embrace that, I, I truly think that is the thing that changed my life. Um, when I first started working with Jordan and, and that concept sunk in with me, that I think is the one thing that changed my life is I got rid of timelines in my head and I embraced it. And once I did that, oh my God, the pressure was off, you know? So every time I screwed up, it wasn't a big deal. It didn't matter. You know, I just keep going or whatever. I think that's a, a life changer. That's one of the big life changers I think there is for people. It's a hard one, but it's a good one. First of all, I love the should be's. I think that's excellent. I love that. Um, <laughs> what do you think are some of the external factors that, that drive those should be's like they're just made those made up scenarios of where people should be or should be feeling or should be looking like, what are some of those external factors that might be driving those? You know, social media is a great one because my God, you look everywhere and this person looks this way or this person, you know, this person can eat whatever they want. And, you know, what you don't see is what they're doing behind the scenes to be able to eat that way. Or you don't see what that fitness model did to look the way that she did. And maybe how miserable she actually is because her life is now surrounded like that. So I think this, I think social media is probably the biggest influence for people, you know, in just the whole, you know, this makes me sound really old, <laughs> the whole internet thing. Everything is quick. You have the answer to everything in a matter of seconds, probably. I didn't have that growing up. I had no idea, you know, we, this didn't exist. So I don't have, I didn't grow up with this. Um, and I think generations that are growing up with this, I think we find now that those people are very um, impatient in a, in a general sense. Um, and, and I saw it with my own son, even growing up when he couldn't problem solve something, he would get very frustrated. He couldn't find the answer. You know, I, I think that's, that's just leads, leads to all of, I, I need to be doing this faster. Um, you have all these ads out there that tell you, you could lose weight and, you know, lose 20. I saw something lose 20 pounds in some, you know, a couple of days or days. a pound of fat a day. Some product was 
lose a pound of fat a day. What? <laughs> For most that, people, so that gets yeah. in, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say that gets in people's heads, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, people buy into that. It's crazy. How many times does someone DM you saying, you know, I've lost this amount of weight in this much time. Why is it going so slow? And then you do, you'll break down the average. Like, Hey, I lost, I lost only four pounds in eight weeks. Like is, is, why is it going so slow? And you're like, Hey, like half pound a week. Is that fast or slow? They're like really slow. And you're like, well, says who? And you're like, I don't know. I just made it up. Like you don't actually know where you're coming up with these reference points for where things should be. You don't even know. Most people aren't familiar with the, the most likely for most people, proper rates of fat loss and weight loss. And, um, they just, mm -hmm. like you said, are pulling numbers from marketing ads from, and, and, and Instagram from and wherever. Susan from accounting went keto. And then yeah. we're, we're not looking at this from a rational standpoint. We're, we're referring mm -hmm. to things that just like aren't within the ballpark of like where people should be. Yeah. You know, I think my my generation, we we thought, I thought for a long time, two pounds a week was great. You know, it was not fast. It was not slow. I, I remember someone labeling two pounds a week as, I don't even know, they might have used the word sustainable, but... And so I get that a lot from middle-aged women who come and, and say, well, I thought two pounds a week. They, they set, and here's what they do. They set my fitness pal to, so they can lose two pounds a week because they think in their head that, that I can keep up with that. And they find out very quickly, oh, no, you can't because my fitness pal has now dropped your calories to an, some ridiculous amount that they can't keep up with. I mean, they can't sustain it. And so then they're constantly getting off track, constantly getting back on, hop off, hop on, all the time spinning their wheels and then they just say screw it and then when you tell them well i would like for you to eat more they're like i can't lose weight eating 1200 calories why are you going to have me eat more and i try to explain to them you can't keep you're not eating at 1200 calories because you can't stay consistent with it and so i guess people people don't understand the weekend that you decide screw it because i can't stay uh, on track in your head, you're thinking, I didn't eat that much. But in reality, you ate a lot. And you start over again on Monday. And the 1200 part is what you remember. You remember how hard it is, how miserable you are. You don't remember the weekend that you didn't eat that much. you know. And that's the pattern. That's what happens with all those 1200, 1100 people. You know? They only remember the bad part because we're human. That, that, hap that happens. Um, and so when you tell them to eat more, they, they're like... <laughs> But you have to, I have to explain that to them. And I have to say, you have to do it. You have to trust this. Or if you keep coming in under your calories, I get that a lot too. Oh, you know, I'm not hungry. Like every day, you're not hungry enough to eat all your calories. No, that's bullshit. That's not what's happening. You're afraid to eat more. I call them on it and they don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, they agree. It is a fear. It is a fear. They come in under on purpose because they don't trust it yet. You know, so you have to kind of coax them through that. It's fascinating. And I get it. I get it. And part of that is because of what they've been hearing or they listen to this person or that person or this product or that product. It's all of that combined. Yeah, there's. So if you have somebody who's come to you and said, oh, I, I tried losing weight at 1200 and it didn't work like, yes, it didn't work. It yeah. didn't not work because 1200 was too much. It didn't work because it won't work because you actually weren't eating 1200 because you can't actually stick to 1200 yeah. this yeah like if you ask somebody hey what have you done in the past They're like ah, i did 1200 calories and it didn't work you're goddamn right it didn't work because you didn't actually stick to it because it's a fucking super low amount of calories like and, mm -hmm. and back to what you said like trying to lose two pounds a week like let's be clear here two pounds a week is a 
equates to something roughly like a thousand calorie deficit per day. Man, a thousand calories less than you need per day. And, per day. Uh, and a lot of times the person who's doing this is also combining it with doing more exercise than they've ever done. So now you're even in bigger deficit. And man, yeah. who the fuck has ever not pressed the MyFitnessPal option to lose as fast as possible? Like, what is that question even there for? What am I going to click? No, I, I want to lose quarter pound a week. Like, everybody's going to click this. And I'm not mad at MyFitnessPal. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, I'm not angry at them. But like, man, that question really fucks a lot of people over. Like, nobody's it's... picking anything but the fastest rate. Uh, of course, because we're human, you know, and, and we want this to be temporary and done. You know, and 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 that brings me to people who say, well, I always go back to X diet because it works for me. Well, well, <laughs> OK, let's talk about that. So it always works. For you. Why? Then why did you leave? <laughs> you never would have left if it always works for you. Right. Um, I found I find that one fascinating. But but yeah, I, that and I'll be honest with you. With, with regarding to that option of my fitness pal, that that one drives me nuts as much as when it tells you you can earn back however many calories. That one drives me apeshit crazy. I can't. I can't. Or, or if you it. keep eating this many calories, you'll be this weight in this many weeks. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm. I mean, it's that's why I don't use an app at all, any app. Yeah. And people laugh at me. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm probably the only person on the planet that started with a piece of paper and a pencil and I actually moved up in the world to a spreadsheet on my computer because um, it will do the math for me in a column mm -hmm. so I don't have to add anything mm -hmm. so I don't do it because I want to have control over all of that I don't want an app telling me how much I should lose no I, I you know I would rather take a calorie deficit and I'm I'm all about goal weight times 12 to start somewhere in that neighborhood um, and then give that time and really be consistent with it um, and see how I'm doing and then make adjustments if I feel like I need to. I don't want an app that doesn't know me that's just going based on numbers, a mathematical calculation um, and say, this is great for everybody. You know, I, I, I don't. And, and I'm, it's not about that app or this app or that app. It's just apps in general. Apps are great. If you're an app person, I say use an app because you can scan stuff. I mean, I hear it's really easy in a lot of ways, um, but don't let it dictate certain things to you. You know, um, there's some, they're not perfect, you know, none of them are. Um, and you can really make really great use out of some of these things. As long as you don't add calories back in and give yourself these calories back. Cause I earned them or, you know, or have that set you at 1100 calories because you want to lose a lot of weight really quickly. Cause you'll be back. Yeah. There's <laughs> you know? a, in terms of, in terms of my fitness pal, there's a, when I'm onboarding a client, there's definitely a portion of like, okay, maybe you've used my fitness pal before. Maybe you've used any tracking app before, but I have a little mini course and the mini course is what not to use the app for, like what to ignore oh, yeah. about the app. Because if you're using, and this goes for any tool, if you're using my fitness pal just to track your food, because like in, in, in exchange for the spreadsheet or the pen and paper, I'm just going to lock it over here. That's great. Yeah. But if you're using yeah. it as a coach, that's that's kind of where it goes wrong. If you're just using it as a log, great. You want to scan stuff? Awesome. And that's my fitness pal is very fat loss oriented. The app is built around wanting you to lose fat. And this great obviously is a super great marketing for that. But the more I experiment with some other apps, MyFitnessPal has some really things that other apps don't have. It's just got like a massive database, which can be a, a double-edged sword sometimes. Um, sure. It has some other utility, just like from a function perspective, that's great. But some of the other apps place, like we're talking about, a little less emphasis on fat loss. And it's like very blatantly, like 
you set your own calories and your own macros if you want. And, and the calories, like my fitness pal puts it up nice, big and bold at the top. And if you're over, it's red. I mean, I have clients who are like, I'm like, Hey, we're going to go to, you know, 2000 calories. And they put it at like 2000. And if they get like 2005, it's like red at the top. And it's like, no, like red is bad. No. Like It's very like, it plays on your emotions a ton. And I'm finding that a lot of other apps are like, way more relaxed on that front. It's like, hey, use our app to track your food and then do whatever the fuck you want with your calories and your life. I, but, and yeah. I love what you said about use it to log as a log, as a journal, even whatever, mm -hmm. and not as a coach. That's it. Like that is exactly it, what people are doing. They're allowing MyFitnessPal to be there or whatever app to be their coach and not just as a, a means to keep everything organized and, and keep track of what you're doing, you know? Wow, that that's a great one. Um, yeah, small pivot. I wanted to touch a little bit about just listen. Motivation is like one of the most ambiguous words. Like, yeah. just say it, and you're gonna get ten different definitions. You're gonna have ten people who are like, "Don't rely on motivation. Motivation is finite." Like, you know, you need discipline. You need grit, and we're gonna use different words. So like, at yeah. the end of the day, like, when somebody asks you, "Hey, Susan, how do I stay motivated?" I tend to, you know, go you know, all in for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, I just lose steam and I'm not excited anymore. And I don't like going to the gym anymore and I'm burnt out. And how do I stay motivated? Like, it's a hard question to answer right away, but like, where, what are some of the uh, places that your brain goes in terms of how to answer that question? My, the first thing would be, I would say, I'm not motivated all the time either. None of us are. So if you're expecting to be, you've set some unrealistic expectations out of the gate, that's just not going to happen. And you have to be okay with that. Um, if, if the lack of motivation turns into lack of action and you just end up not doing anything, that's where it's a problem. I mean, if you're working on a goal, if we're talking from a weight loss perspective or whatever, like not being motivated to track your food anymore, not motivated to go to the gym anymore. And the problem is, I think people sit back and just, I'm going to wait until I'm motivated and then I'm going to go. <laughs> and it's like, well, it's easy to do that when you're motivated, right? I mean, it's easy to do anything when you're motivated to do it. But what's not so easy is to do it when you're not. And so I tell everyone, I'm sorry, but there's no little magic dust I can throw on you and play a song and you're going to be, oh, good. Okay, I'm ready to go now. It's not going to work that way. You have to create it. And that's where people go wrong. They don't understand that you have to create motivation. You don't sit and wait for it. It's not a thing that you find. You, you don't find it over there, over there. You don't find it from a song or whatever. You have to create it internally. And the only way to do it, the only way I think to do that is you have to take action, especially when you don't want to. So that person who's saying, I'm not motivated to go to the gym right now, the way you're gonna get motivated is you push through that and you get your butt to the gym, do whatever you want at the gym, but just go. Because when you're there, things are gonna, you're, you're gonna kind of get back into your groove, but afterwards, you're gonna feel like, holy shit, okay, I get it now, I'm back, you know? I feel great, the, you know, it's just that cycle. And so instead of waiting, you have to start, you have to create motivation by taking your action. And when you take action, you see results and whether that's how you feel, how you look, whatever it is. And then that keeps you motivated. That's what keeps you going, you know? And, and I think that people just wait for someone to, hmm, I'm just not mo motivated to go. Well, welcome to the club, <laughs> you know, welcome. I have, I, I usually love going to the gym. That's usually not an issue for me, but at parts, part of the time during quarantine, 
motivation to, to work out and to do stuff was a little tough. Some I, that was new for me, you know, but I had to take my own advice, you know, and it works. Is it easy? Absolutely not. No, it's not. But to sit back and wait for someone to motivate you to go, honey, you're going to wait forever because <laughs> it doesn't work that way, you know? Yeah. And it's a lot of times it's not the answer people want to hear. They want a thing to do. They want a trick, a, a tip, so- a song. What, I hate, I hate the tip. What's a tip? The tip is do it. <laughs> you Hell know? Yeah. I mean, that's the tip. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I have someone tell, I had someone tell me the other day, I really like that you're no fuss, no muss. And that's, that's a double-edged sword for me. Cause I don't sugarcoat. I don't, because I think that's doing people a disservice. I am a counselor by trait. So I do know how to say things without slapping somebody across sure. the face. But I mean, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where if you're not motivated, the thing you have to do is do that thing, whatever it is that you don't want to do right now, do it. Like I, I've had DMs where I say, get up right now, go for a five minute walk and then text me back. And they do, you know, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. That's awesome. Do there's, you see the same? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, there's the most motivating thing is, is building self-efficacy. And the most, the thing that's best builds self-efficacy is realizing that you, when those times come where you're not motivated, that you can still do it. And the only way to realize that you can still do it is to freaking start by just doing it. And, yeah. and the more reps that you get of like, oh, I'm not feeling motivated, but I did it anyway. Oh, last week I wasn't feeling motivated, but I did it anyway. You start to build up these like reps. It's like you're ticking off a box and the next time you're not motivated, you're like, look at all this evidence I have where I just go anyway and I just do it. And there's a quote that floats around. Um, just my favorite quote ever. And I don't know if it's like something masochistic or I just get pumped up when I hear it. And it's like, there's something inherently motivating about knowing you won't always be motivated. It's like all of a sudden the expectation of, I, I should be motivated and, 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 you know, all the times that I go to the gym are going to be due to motivation. Like there's something exciting about realizing, oh, I'm not always going to be motivated. And something that makes me motivated when I hear that is it just, it just always, it's something I found resonates with people a ton. And it's, it's obviously everything you've said just kind of packed in. Yeah. One sentence there. I mean, I, I take that back to the should be. That's almost like a little bit of pressure off of you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be motivated. You, you, you don't expect to be motivated all the time. If you expect that, you're putting a ton of pressure on yourself. I mean, no one will ever be able to live up to that. Once you realize you're not always going to be motivated, cool. Okay, let me get that off my shoulders. And now I'm going to, there's going to be times where I really don't feel like doing stuff, but I know I'm going to have to do it. And that's okay. That's normal. You know, it's, it's okay to not be motivated all the time. Do you think that? lowering the threshold or the bar of what it require what 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 is required to decide like a little win like smaller victories and like breaking down this like big scary monster into like like you said somebody dms me how do i stay motivated i i don't know what to do it's like go out for a five minute walk so do you think that maybe lowering the bar in terms of what you classify as a win is a really good way to kind of just kind of fuel some momentum yeah i mean i don't even consider it necessarily lowering a bar i mean i think whatever wherever someone is that's if, if they, if they're not getting off the couch at all, yeah. A five minute walk is like a huge win well, it's uh, the, and it, that it's their expectation. So their yeah, bar uh, is here yeah. and you want to yeah, help them right, lower right. their own bar, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I'm sure their bar is, I need to go to the gym and spend an hour and I need to lift this and I need to, da, 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 da. no, you know what? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe what you should do is just move, get outside, get some air, put something on that you like to listen to whatever and go for a walk. You know, 
that's going to be me today. Um, it, I'm going to do maybe part of a workout and then the rest of it, I'm just going to walk because my, my day is kind of crazy. We've got kitchen reno and oh my I saw, God, I my saw life. on your story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, my <laughs> life. So, but that, I mean, and that's okay. Like it's not, I don't feel pressure. No, I have to work out, uh, you know, and I have to love it. Right. <laughs> no. Right. You know, <laughs> thank I, God. I feel like there's something that, that there's like that, man, we could, we, I'm about to open Pandora's box here, but I feel like there's a bit of like that all or nothing mindset that comes into play with this where, man, I could talk about the all or nothing mindset all day, but I feel like there's just this black and white. It's very binary. It's either I do it all the way or I don't do it at all. And there's no recognition of the middle ground. And what actually what you just said, and I want you to kind of touch on the all or nothing in a second was like, you lowered your own bar. You were like, Hey, like we got crazy kitchen stuff going on. In, in an ideal world, I would have been up here with my my beautiful workout all planned with nice two to three minute rest and it would have been great. But man, I'm I'm going to do half of it. And I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to bring down the the threshold of what I'm going to classify as a win for today. And it's going to not be this perfect ideal setting. It's going to be me taking my life and instead of, you know, smashing my workout in there, it's going to be molding them together in a way that doesn't mm -hmm. make me crazy, allows me to stay consistent. Mm -hmm. And I used to be that person. I, you, if we would rewind the clock, maybe even as recent as four years ago, I would have forced it because I was supposed to, that's what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if I didn't do that all the way, like I'm supposed to, then, you know, then it was somehow not good enough or not enough, it, you know, less than, um, and that mindset shift is significant and it's hard. And it was one that took me years to kind of get comfortable where I will create what I can do today. And, and it, it's going to be what it is. You know, I'm not going to get to have time to go to the gym today. Cool. Okay. I'm going to stay here. Do do. I have a couple of things I want to touch on here. And um, then I really want to go out and walk. I've really, I used to hate to walk by the way. I really want to put that out there. I hated to walk because it wasn't enough. It wasn't hard enough. It wasn't intense enough. It wasn't, when I walked, I had to walk. Yeah. It wasn't exercise. <laughs> you know? it, no, yeah. to me it was. And so now I view it completely different. And that was a whole journey. Uh, I look forward to it, especially in the summer. And I've put out there, I will not be walking like this when it gets cold and dark. <laughs> I'm not, I don't love it that much. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I, <laughs> I'll wait till the sun comes up. Yeah, and, yeah. and if it's 20 degrees, you probably won't me outside walking sure. because I, that's yeah i'll go i'll walk inside at a mall or something I, I i would rather do that on something like that but i had you know this was i've evolved been fairly recently with all of this so getting comfortable with changing things and not feeling like you have to do it all or it's not it's not okay or it's not enough or good good enough or in you know if i can't do it all then why bother um, that was a tough mindset to get out of because I was that I was an obsessed person with that kind of thing. And it just took time and practice and, and screwing up. And there were times where I would force the issue and I shouldn't have either my health. Like I wasn't feeling great. I should have listened to my body said, Nope, it is leg day. <laughs> I need to go do legs. <laughs> and, and I, I felt like crap after, you know, just things like that. Um, just took a long time and there, there's not one thing that I can say, Oh, do this and you'll be good. It's not that either. It is learning and trying and, and giving yourself the, the non-negotiable. Okay. This is, this is what I'm going to do today and stick with it and, and realize that you're not going to lose progress 
because you didn't do your full workout. You're not going to, you know, get fat because you didn't do your full workout. It's, it's all fear driven. I think from within, you know, that if we don't, Oh God, you know, what's going to happen because I was that person. I worked out six, seven days a week before Jordan started coaching me and he scaled me back to four days. And I thought I was going to die. Like I texted him on a rest day and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And he's like, rest, <laughs> you know? And I kept hounding him about it. And he says, okay, so, you know, I'm, I couldn't see him, but I guarantee you, he was rolling his eyes at me and going, okay, Susan, you can go to the gym, get on a, like a stationary bike, but don't let your heart rate get over whatever, some low number. And I'm like, yes, okay, I'm going to go. So I did it. I went to the gym, got on a bike and I could heart. I mean, it was like nothing. It was awful. <laughs> I just, it took me about 20 minutes. And I said, I can't do this. I'm getting out of here. I, it's a rest day. And from that moment on, when I had a rest day, I rested. And it's, I've never looked back because what I found was just from that scenario, resting allowed my workouts to be better. The next workout was so much better. I made so much more progress going from six to four days, but that all stemmed from fear. You know, I was afraid if I didn't work out six days, I was going to lose progress. If I didn't work out six days, I was going to get fat. And the irony is I wasn't making any progress anyway, you know, but I couldn't see that. You can't see through the fear sometimes. It, that is so unbelievably well put. Uh, I get hounded to do more days per week all the time, way more often than I'm like, you know, somebody will message me or email me. Hey, I'm super run down with the training program. People will be like, it's, it's only four days. Like, what do I do the other days? And I'll also find when it's time for someone to take a deload, especially somebody who's never deloaded. And it's coming from the same place as you were talking about of like fear of rest days. A deload is even a bigger thing. It's, you know, seven rest days. And I always give my clients three options. They can either do all their deload workouts, which means going to the gym the same amount of days, doing the same workout, you know, one or two sets, really low intensity. They can do that if they want. And that looks like four, you know, four or five days going to the gym. Or they can do two days and then take the rest of the week off. Or they can just take an entire week off. And physiologically, just to, for anybody listening not familiar, like there's probably a very small difference between going in and doing your full deload workout versus taking the entire week and just doing literally nothing. Don't pick up a weight. Don't go to the gym. And most people, to my absolute surprise, pick going to the gym and doing their full deload workout. And it blows my mind. It's like, you know that you're going in there. It's not stimulating. You're not sweating. You're not burning. You're doing nothing. And you know, most people innately when they've never done it, they're so scared of this idea of like seven days. I'm just not going to go to the gym. Like, what am I going to do? Like I turn into a yeah. couch potato. And the coolest part is the, after the first or second deload day, they're like, man, this is not a waste of time. It isn't, it is not a waste of time, but you might feel like, well, I could be going for a walk or I could be walking my dog or I could be, you know, you start to realize that doing this kind of like when it's time to rest, it's time to rest. And when mm -hmm. it's time to work out, it's time to work out. And, and the way you put it was perfectly on a more micro scale of like my four days are better because of my three days of working out and your four weeks may, of working out will be better because of yep. your deload week. So yeah, that, and that, is, that is so true. People have a hard time understanding that because I get asked all the time, how many days a week do you work out and how long? I mean, people think I'm in the gym for hours and I work out every day. And when I tell them four days a week and you know, my workouts should be an hour, but they're probably a little longer just because I film and I talk too much and all that kind of stuff. But um, they're, they're surprised. And it's just like, it's about making when you're there effective. You know, you bring intensity to your workout. And that that's how I spent six months in a muscle building phase. My workouts were brutal during that six months because I 
up to the ante with the intensity I brought to the table because this was a goal of mine. I wanted to live through this six months and see what I could do. And I think that people don't understand when you allow your body to recover and rest, your next workout is 10 times more effective. And so therefore you're going to make a lot more progress, probably faster in the, in the big picture than you would if you're just constantly. And, and I even say, even if you people go, well, what if you alternate body parts? It's the same thing because don't tell me your shoulders aren't involved on leg day because I'm sorry, they are. So you're not resting your shulders when you're back squatting. You know, you're not resting. If you're doing dumbbell lunges, right, and you're holding your, your dumbbells and your shoulders are back here where they should be, guess what your shoulders are working too. So that doesn't hold water with me at all. It, 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 that doesn't matter. It's, it's, I, for the longest time, I didn't even walk on a rest day. Literally, I did nothing. I mean, but my normal work, what, whatever. Now I walk every day. I make a point of walking at some point every day. Rest days, I tend to go a little longer because I just have a little more time. But um, that's it. That's the only cardio I do. I am not one of those elliptical girls or, you know, God knows, no. <laughs> I think <laughs> like... the something that's very much clicked, two, two, two sentences that kind of put it in perspective for people. It's like, like you said, I think four days a week is just a really, really great balance for like 95% of people. Um, you know, five, 5% split between people who really need more and people who really need less. Yeah. And if you're working out four days a week and you don't need rest days, you're not working out hard enough. Like you're just, yeah. if you can, if you can work out seven days, what in the fuck are you doing when you're working out? Like if you are, like you said, if you're back squatting and you're not feeling your previous workouts, even a little bit, then I'm not saying you need to be obliteratingly sore. I'm just saying if you're working out for hard, like hard enough. For, and we can go into what that means another time, but man, you need rest days and you're not actually growing when you're working out. It's on those rest days where your body's repairing and making adaptations mm -hmm. and growing. And if you, mm -hmm. theoretically, if you were to work out seven days a week, like obviously we'd run into overtraining way before this happened, but you literally just wouldn't grow. You just stop growing. You just yeah. never take any time Which is time what off. happened to me. Yeah, I, and I was six days a week. That's exactly what happened to me. And I love what you said just now about, um, if you're working out four days a week and you don't need a rest day, there's something going on. You, you need to bring more intensity to the table. Yep. Um, and, and I totally agree with that because it, and, and I don't think you have to be like, your tongue doesn't have to be on the floor as yes. you leaving the gym. Okay. Right. It, it doesn't, it's not extremes here, but if you're feeling like you're energized and you're ready to go the next day, you know what? I, I would, I would look at, are you sticking with that 15 pound dumbbell too long? <laughs> you know, totally right. You know, maybe you go in and, and this is a whole nother thing that the, the people get crazy over is, you know, lifting quote heavy. What is that? How much weight do I lift? And, you know, the great example of you've been doing a 15 pound row or whatever, and you're doing 10 reps and you're like, okay, cool. I feel really good. Um, you should be moving up in weight. I tell them to go to the next dumbbell, but you know, chances are you could probably go a couple, but okay, go to the next one. But people think in their heads, they have to go from the 15 all the way down there to that guy, which has 80 pounds rack. on it. Or they got to go down a rack. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. it's like, no, that's it, two extremes. You know, there's a lot of gray area in the middle is where you need to keep pushing yourself. And it's pushing yourself out of a comfort zone. And I think a lot for, for women that contact me, a lot of middle-aged women are, are who contact me and they're afraid. I get it. They're afraid. Maybe because they don't know technique. They're not solid with that yet or something like that. But in their head, they're thinking, I can't lift that weight. Well, nobody asked you to lift that weight, but maybe try lifting this one. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you sure. know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, and to kind of go on that vein of like, I'd be remiss if I didn't discuss, like if there was ever a role model out there for my man, just, and I hate to put you in a box cause you're definitely an amazing coach and ever, you should be a role model to so many people. But if there was ever a role model for like the middle-aged woman who can put on muscle and should lift and also has come from a, pl- a place of overdoing it, a place of abundance, a place of, you know, doing exercise out of fear and, you know, overtraining, maybe under eating out of fear, like, and has pulled back from that and seen the light. It, it, it's, it's been spectacular to see. And I, and I kind of want you to touch on your journey a little bit and then mm-hmm. maybe where you find a lot of, the, you know, the people who the women and men, but the, particularly the women who were, who are where you were, what are they asking? What are they looking for? And, and what do you find is often like some low hanging fruit in terms of advice for them who, you know, or maybe you're just looking for what to do. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, thank you so much for that compliment. I appreciate that. Um, I think middle-aged women um, often feel like when they hit menopause and perimenopause, that that age bracket, that they don't have control over it anymore. They assume their metabolism has slowed down. Um, and so we have to kind of, and I did too, I was that person. Um, I had I had a long thing with my doctor about this. Um, I had to run tests because I was convinced that's why I couldn't lose weight. And of course, everything came back normal. And uh, then I had to start actually looking inside and taking responsibility for what I had, for what had gone on for 30 years. Um, and, and I think what happens is we become less active um, over time, not, not in a year, but over 20, 30 years, you have you get married, you have kids, your life changes, you're now grabbing dinner on the fly, you're taking kids to practices, you're not focused like you were on training and not on nutrition, especially when your family starts to grow. So you've now created the perfect storm for what is coming on in middle age because your hormones are kind of playing a role too. They're going out of whack. So you add what you're not doing to that. And now here we go. And so everyone thinks, well, I, it's my hormones. It's my da, 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 da. And it's not for almost everybody. And even if it was, and this is something no one wants to hear, but even if it was, that doesn't mean you can't lose fat. It just might mean it's a little bit more challenging for you, especially if there's not a medication you can take or whatever, but you, it doesn't change the science of fat loss. I mean, it just doesn't, that's there and it will always be there. So now you have to figure out what do I have to do for me to be able to lose weight? And, and that's, I don't think people understand the amount of work that that can, can entail. Um, is it impossible? No, it's not impossible. I weighed a whole lot more five years ago, six years ago, probably than I do right now. Um, so I changed everything in my fifties, <laughs> you know, not in my twenties or thirties, but in my fifties surrounded myself with people that helped me significantly. My mindset started to change. Did I screw up? Yes. I screwed up along the way all the time, but I kept after it. And then the biggest thing, one of the biggest things for me, when, when I started losing the weight, I started getting my mind off of how many pounds, because actually I didn't even know. I had, didn't have, to have a scale at the time, so I had no idea, other than my clothes fit better. I started focusing on the gym. Give me some goals in the gym now. You know, I wanted to get chin-ups. I'd never been able to do that in my whole life. So I told Jordan, that's what I want to focus on. And so my programming focused around that. And I was driven. I really wanted to do that. I wanted to deadlift a certain amount of weight. You know, I, I mean, those is, that's where I started focusing. And when you start focusing on that, getting strong, all kinds of things happen. 
you know, I mean, as long as your nutrition is reasonable, obviously, you know, if you're, if you're in a deficit, great. If you're even in maintenance, great, you know, things are going to change. And I think that's the one thing middle-aged women just don't maybe fully believe or understand that you can still change. You know, my whole little slogan of it's never too late. I truly believe that, you know, I truly believe that. And so I, I just like to tell everybody, if you don't know where to start, you know, as we talked about previously, it start with your nutrition, write it down. I give them small little tasks to do. I do that over DMs all the time. I said, I want you to do this, this, you know, two or three things and let them come. And I always get back. Oh my God, I had no idea, you know, and, and that's coming from a person who I thought I was doing everything right. I thought I'm eating healthy. What else do I have to do? Those almonds that I had three handfuls of, those are healthy. I didn't think about how many calories were in almonds. They were just healthy, right? So that's a good thing to eat. <laughs> I went through so many years of thinking that, you know, um, and it, it, they are healthy. But if you're trying to lose weight, three handfuls of those are probably not in your best interest. You know, it's, um, I don't know. I just, I think it goes back to what, what we were talking about at the beginning was just like a bit, a bit more of awareness. And I think yeah. there's, and again, you said it, it's tough to say, but, and no one wants to hear this from me, which is a good thing you're here. Back me up is like metabolically speaking, like what's happening to you physiologically is less of, of the, what is making that perimenopausal situation more difficult. It's yep. more, listen, it is harder. It is 100% harder, but it's 100%. Mo it's mostly harder because of life. Like where is your life at that time? Like you said, what does your mm -hmm. life look like? You're moving a little bit less. Maybe you're getting worse sleep. You're having hot flashes. You're, you're having a little bit more of an emotional oh, uh, yeah. fluctuation that might drive eating more like, Man, but at the end of the day, like you said, the, the rules of fat loss don't change. And th there is some level of your ability to manually override what's happening. But man, it's definitely going to be there harder, is. but it's not harder metabolically. You know, I, t I so agree with that. And I tell everybody, because I hear this all the time, it is so hard. And I'm like, absolutely, 100%, it's mm -hmm. so hard right now. But, okay, we agree, it's hard. Now what? Now what, yep. Now what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit there and keep telling me it's hard? then you're going to sit there and spin your wheels. Or are you going to roll up your sleeves, dig in and beat the shit out of it? You know, and, and, and that's what needs to happen. And I think, you know, again, maybe motivation, blah, 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 all those things play a role, but yeah, man, it is hard. There are a lot of external factors that are going to be at play, but the, the science of fat loss doesn't change. And the big thing is you are still in control. And I think that's something that most people don't think, but you are in control. What I, you know, hot, I had, I didn't have hot flashes, but I had night sweats and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that made it really difficult. I didn't sleep well for a long time, but I still did my workouts. I still started. And at that point I was changing my nutrition. I was still changing my nutrition. I was in that process. Then I didn't let that be the excuse or the justification to just say, eh, nah, it's, you know, no. I didn't, you know, I, I don't have to think about nutrition that much anymore. I, I don't track. And I think I say that only from the perspective of that can happen to anybody. You can do that. I didn't, you know, I didn't just do this because I'm some genius. I, I'm no, I, none of that. I did this because I put in the work and now I can live a life 
at in my, you know I'm 60 years old now I can live a life and not have to do some of these things because I took control I pulled the reins in I I kind of was very proactive with finding a coach I was proactive with okay, I want to do the work. He gave me what to do. I followed what to do. I trusted the process. I made mistakes. I screwed up. I kept going. That's the unsexy answer to everything, right? I mean, regardless of your age, that's the unsexy answer. People don't want to, uh, like the idea that it's your fault is, and, and I phrase it that way on purpose because it, it, it makes it sound like a negative comment. But yeah. if something is, your fault by definition it is also in your power to change and yeah. when you realize that it is your fault that you're here because you're overeating or you're eating more than you're moving or whatever combination of things that are happening like it is shouldn't be disheartening although when i say it that way i do it on purpose to kind of bring up this conversation it should be empowering it's like the if something is your fault well then damn you also have you are the only person because it's your fault that has the power to change it and mm -hmm. i i want like you said you you took control back but the first thing is recognizing that, that that that's possible and sometimes it takes a coach to point out hey this yeah. is the science you do in fact you're not up against some mythical metabolic boogeyman like you do have control here and recognition can be something a coach could provide but you know taking that or your doctor it, like for yeah. me it was my doctor too because once she told me everything was fine i didn't have you know like, and and it's interesting i did not view that as the as a great answer at the time, I didn't understand how good of an answer that was. Like how that was great news. I looked at, I was devastated. Yeah, I was devastated because I was convinced that was the issue. And I was devastated because now I knew I had to look inside and that was hard to do. I mean, that, you know, you thought for so many years that you were doing everything right. And I was a fitness professional too, at that time too. And so you're a little humiliated. I mean, there, there's a lot of emotion with that. But once I pushed that aside, I'm like, yeah. And Jordan helped me with this a lot, realizing I am in control. That changes everything, you know, being proactive now, now go out and get it, you know? There's, you, you said something and I don't want to, because if anybody listens to my podcast regularly, I just did a podcast on my story and a very similar situation of going to a doctor. I, I had come from a very overtrained, underfed state and I was, you know, single digit body fat percentage and I loved the way I looked and it was everything to me, but I felt like shit. And I went to the doctor because I wanted him to tell me that there was something wrong with me. I wanted yeah. him to say, here, you have this, here's this thing and you'll be great. But I, and again, I say it in the podcast, I'll say it again, like I am forever thankful for them telling me that there was nothing wrong with me. And finally, after seeing a couple of doctors, a little bit of a reality check, hey dude, stop fucking walking around at five or six, 7% body fat, like that's not healthy. There's nothing actually wrong with you except for the fact that you're doing this to yourself. Yeah. And so yeah. you saying that you're very thankful for that answer, it's like, we want there to be something wrong with us. We want it to be this external locus of control. We want it to be outside of our control. But having somebody shake you and be like, hey, it's your fault and thus you can do something about it. Like it, it, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, man, it's a powerful moment, but it, it hopefully pivots you in the right direction. It is powerful. It's, it's uh, hard to hear maybe at the beginning, especially if you thought, you know, for sure. Like I, I, I remember sitting in the waiting room thinking, okay, she's gonna test results are going to be this. I'm going to get my meds. Boom. Everything's going to happen. Yay. You know, <laughs> I had played it all out, but I, it's a mindset shift. You know, I had to shift now. Um, and that didn't happen overnight that, and I always like to use this, 
this analogy, um, it's not like you walk in a room and you flip the light switch on. That's not how things happen. Most anything, you know, it's not the, oh, oh, okay, I'm good now. You know, no, <laughs> I had to sit with it. I had to accept it. And then um, as soon as I started accepting it and letting that sink in, I started taking more action and taking more action. And yeah, the, the ball started rolling at that point. And uh, it was it was the life changer. She, I mean, the doctor that day changed my life because she she did not sugarcoat things with me. Um, she goes, Susan, you're just eating too much. And that's the thing. There's a, If somebody comes to you and says, Susan, I'm doing this, uh, I'm not losing weight. And I'm like, okay, even if it's a DM or a real person, whatever. Hey, Jordan, I'm not losing weight. Okay, well, how many calories are you eating? And they're like, well, I have no idea. Or, or how much are you eating? Whatever. Phrase it however you want. It's like, how much are you eating? They're like, I don't know. It's like, well, what yeah. the fuck are we talking about? There, yeah, there's, yeah. you know, it must be my thyroid. It must be this. Like, it must be the plan in my fasting window or too many carbs or whatever. It's like, how much are you eating? They're like, I don't know. It's like, well, let's start there. Even if it's just writing it down, let's start with the how much. And, and, and we can go into like this dichotomous like it has to be either the how much or we focus on the what but man you can you can do both like you can focus yeah. on what you're eating and also quantify it to make sure you're getting your fitness goals um there's just this absolutely uh, you know it's like how much are you eating it's like i don't know it's like well, okay well let's start with that like that is let's fat loss there. right there yeah like, <laughs> let's start there let's start there yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure no. um i want to be respectful of your time we're coming up on an hour you got to keep me posted okay yeah. Oh yeah. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Um, I wanted to talk about your, you know, I, I, this must've been months and months and months ago and you had just touched about it, touched on it before, but your transition into a muscle building phase, mm -hmm. um, man, that's something I grow increasingly passionate about and love doing as a coach is like, great, we're going to, we're going to trim you down. We're going to do calorie deficit, do all that fun stuff. But this is the fun stuff, but it's also the scary stuff. We're way, you know, we're way more comfortable in restriction. So I'd love to hear your kind of path from where you started, maybe calorie deficit, figuring things out. But then what was it like at that moment where I'm, I know you and Jordan talked about it, where it was like, let's do a surplus. And you're like, whoa. whoa. Well, you know, it's so funny. I had been in, before I went into the, the muscle building thing, I was in maintenance for years. For And so I was on autopilot with, with maintenance, not tracking. I just, I, I had maintenance down. Um, so I was approaching it, not from a deficit into a surplus, but from holding steady however uh, and I wasn't going to track either I, I decided I didn't want to track so I want to see if I can do this without tracking since I know my maintenance so well Jordan and I decided let's just pick a couple days a week where I add a little more some more calories a couple days a week instead of trying to say okay by the end of the week I want to be in the plus column mm -hmm. 800 calories how does that equate a day you know forget that I didn't want to do that that was just too many little little numbers so Two days a week, I started with um, adding, I made a shake equivalent. I never weighed and measured everything, but my guess is anywhere from four to 500 calories in there, two days a week. Um, I, before I started doing that, however, I was just trying to eat more. And I, I spent about a month and a half saying, you know what? I'm just not hungry. I'm not going to eat it. And um, Jordan and I talked about this on a podcast, actually. Um, basically uh, he was calling bullshit on me and he was right. I mean, I was bullshitting myself because I didn't want to see the scale go up. That was, and for anybody that has spent most of your life feeling like you're heavy or you're overweight, or you want the scale to go down to go the opposite direction is scary as shit. And that once I came, had my come to Jesus meeting with myself and said, no more of this bullshit. And, and Jordan said, you're going to have to eat when you're not hungry. 
Okay. And then from that point on, we kind of found things that wouldn't fill me up, you know, whatever that, and that's where the shake came in because that was really a good compromise, a good way to do it because it fills you a little bit and then you're good to go later. So I, I, I didn't even allow myself to have that option anymore of I'm too full, you know? Um, and I did eat when I wasn't hungry sometimes. I mean, I did. Um, but I ended up increasing the days from two to three. I think I ended up with three, maybe even a couple times, four days a week, I would add those shakes in. Um, and I literally gained a pound a month, which was exactly my goal. And that, and I did it without tracking. And what was interesting, I tracked my weight though. Yeah. Um, I stepped on the scale every day mm -hmm. and my weight pattern from month to month looked like anybody else's, you know, zigzag, 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 spikes, dips, dip, 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 but it would just start going up. So literally the day month, end of month, one way in a pound up, boom, I was there. And sometimes it would be really interesting. The weight wouldn't move at all until the last week of a month or something like that. And then it would pop up. I mean, it, I just got into a rhythm with it, you know? Um, and uh, it, I definitely got muscle, I, muscle gains for sure. I didn't do a great job with taking before pictures. I should have been better with that. And I recommend anybody, please, please, please do it and take them periodically, the same pose, the same everything. I just happened to find shots before I started of me like preparing for a deadlift or whatever, I could see how much my glutes grew. And for all of you that want to glow, grow glutes, great example of how much you have to put in and eat to fuel that. Because so many people want to grow glutes and they won't eat. You know, they want, they'll eat their thousands of calories and think that they're going to grow their glutes that way. But for the first time in my life, I had glutes. And I had, you know, I got a lot of upper body definition, but I also got fat. I also put on fat too. I had, my body fat was up. I don't go by body fat percentage. I have no idea what my body fat percentage ever was <laughs> or what it was after that. I just know by how I look, you know, my, I, I just have a little bit of fat on me. I was okay with that. The most fascinating part of this journey is how okay I am with how I look now versus how I looked before. I was really lean before. I would almost say skinny. I've never used that word with me in my whole life until I look back and see what I look like then. Because I have yet to go into a deficit. I'm not going into a deficit. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> I mean, I like where I am. I have. I will say that the scales come down from the six pounds I gained. I've dropped two of them and not on purpose, just over whatever. Um, and I think I'm settling in at this weight, um, but it was great. Uh, a learning experience, I think everyone should do it. It's not what you think. It's not a feeding frenzy, which I think everyone thinks about, right? You just eat. No, you, you control what you eat. You're still in control of everything. Um, did I have a little more wiggle room? Of course, yeah, I had some wiggle room and I probably ate some things that I probably wouldn't have eaten as much of you know, prior. Um, but overall, great experience. The mindset things that were happening were significant. I did a whole YouTube video on my, on that and, and broke it down into the things that I thought were really tough, the things that surprised me, um, things like that, because um, I think people can relate if you don't want the scale to go up, you know, people want to put on muscle, but no fat. And it's like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. You have to put on some fat, right? Uh, yeah. I'll link, I'll definitely link that up in the description. I think there's a lot of people who resonate with that. This is, I mean, people will DM you and say, like you said, 
I really want to grow my glutes. I'm like, okay, you know, let's do some like hinges a couple times a week and enough protein and, you know, probably calorie surplus. They're like, no, 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 I don't want to gain weight. I just want bigger yeah. glutes. Mm. I'm like, well, you know that like that muscle, like just it weighs something, right? You know, like it's not, doesn't come from the fat and transform into the, it, it literally weighs something. Um, so that one, that I always find funny. It's like, if you, you want a part of your body to grow, but you also don't want to weigh any more than you do. I mean, it's just, this are, it's not possible. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Yeah. And I also find that, so I, this is the heaviest I've ever been in my entire, not entire my entire life, but I've been peaked really heavy and then cut really extreme. And now I've found like in my new life, my second shot at this fitness thing, like the top end of where I've ever been. And I'm not nearly as lean period. Like I, I've been much leaner. Like you said, you've probably been leaner, mm-hmm. but man, and you said I'm okay with the way I look and I was okay with a couple more pounds, but I, what I, and maybe you can, you can tell me if this is how you're feeling, but I, I'm okay with the way I look not as lean because of how much better life is. Like I, like yes. if you put two pictures, I'm like, yes, this picture, that guy like objectively looks leaner, looks better naked, whatever you want to say. But like my life in this picture encompassing yes okay how i look is one component of that but my life is so much better a little bit more food more flexibility more time with friends less food anxiety less food focus man if all i have to gain is four five six seven eight nine ten pounds whatever it is for different people to get that man that is a that is a trade-off i'm willing to make my life is way better here Uh than it was you know 10 pounds leaner and shredded and yeah cool for an instagram pic but man life fucking sucked um, I couldn't say yeah. it any better. I, I totally agree with you 100%. I think um, I was in a good place food-wise, I thought, um, for a long time, hanging in maintenance, but I'm in an even better place mm-hmm. now. I mean, it, I, yeah, it, food is not like on my brain all the time. Um, and I just feel better. I, ha- I feel like I have more energy most of the time. Um, and you know, two interesting things happened th- through this. One, during the process, I was at the gym one day and a guy, you know, one of those gym friends you don't know the name of, but you see all the time, mm-hmm. came up to me and was asking me, he, well, he first started out by saying, so I know, are you doing something different? Because I've seen you look thinner before. And when he said that, well, they're, they're, it's a good ending though. When he said that, I got a gut punch, right? Yeah, that was right. the one thing, so I just, holy yeah. shit, oh my God, what am I doing? And this was all in a nanosecond right. because he kept talking. He goes, but you're doing something different because I like how you look right now. And, you know, but that nanosecond, I got the gut punch and literally a million things went through my head and it's like time stopped. And when I heard what he actually said, I, I kind of took this deep breath and I was telling what I was doing. He, he's going, because I think you look better now than you did before. And he goes, and I'm sorry if I, he, he was one make sure he wasn't being inappropriate. Right. Yes, yes, he yes, was yes, just, yes. yeah. Objectively. Um, and so that, that resonated with me a lot. And then the other thing was after this was all over, you know, I'm six pounds heavier than I was. And at the beginning of quarantine, I'm going out, I have a chin up bar right outside my door. I'm going to do a chin up. I'm like, shit, why are these so heavy? And Jordan starts laughing because you're six pounds heavier than you were. And I'm like, ah, so I'm I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to get stronger at chin-ups with my new weight. That's what drove my chin-up goal for quarantine. I did six, six, just singly six a day for a week. And then the next week it was seven a day, eight a day. The next week, every week I increased by one a day and I got up to 12 a day. I'd never done 12 in my life. 
you know, but I did it for an entire week, 12 every day. And then, as I said, I backed off the reps, added the Add weight, weight. And now I'm adding weight and all that. But it was interesting. Those two things, just that part didn't resonate. Like, yeah, some things were a little harder, but I didn't sit back and go, whoa, it was me. Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, no, I said, oh, hell no. Because <laughs> I spent so long trying to get a chin up. I want to feel good with them again, you know, and get strong with them again. So you just put in the work and yeah, it's, it's all good. Now they're strong. At, I'm four and a half pounds up. They're, they're, they're good there. Yep. And that's something I definitely always want to communicate when, when, when you get to your, if you're out there, you're dieting and you're, you have a goal weight, a goal look in mind, man, your goal look is probably not as good as life will be. Maybe five pounds up from that goal look. And what that, whatever the five pounds, 10 pounds equates to in calories will just one, it's going to make you physiologically feel better. Nobody, everyone has this goal weight in mind that's like shredded. It's like immediately that life is probably not physiologically, not just healthy, but probably not mm -hmm. the healthiest, happiest you could be. But if you put next to you, let's say your goal weight is 135. Man, if you're 135 and shredded, you'd probably eating, you know, a low amount of calories. Life is probably just net, net better five more pounds and a couple hundred more calories up. And so I think that the, yep. like you have this goal weight in mind, that's cool, but make sure that you're factoring in how you look, but also how you live in order to maintain that. What are the trade-offs at 135? What are the trade-offs at 140? Man, I'll take that's what people. Yeah, that's what people don't get is, okay, they get focused on this goal weight. And that's why, I mean, I have to make sure people understand when I use goal weight for a calc, it's for a calculation. I don't, you don't ever have to weigh that, you know, it's for a numbers game. But when, when someone wants to get to 130, and they're at 135 and they're they keep reducing and reducing calories and now they're not consistent and now they're spinning their wheels thinking those last five pounds are so hard blah 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 well your adherence isn't any good because now because look what you have to do and then how is your life going to be different five pounds less i mean that's a great question to ask people because most of the people are going to say it's not well then i ch challenge people let's go the other way Let's put some calories back, just like what you said. Put the calories back in, maybe even hang at maintenance. Let's get some energy back and go knock it out of the park in the gym. And you watch what will happen. Watch what will happen. You will change how you look, which is what most people want anyway. Most people want to lose fat, not weight. You know, they don't care about the number until they do. But <laughs> I mean, it's more about they want to look. They want to look that word toned or lean and defined or all those words, you know, and if they look the way they want to look at a weight that they thought was going to be too much. They don't, at that point, they don't care because they see it. But the problem is they don't see it and they want to drive. They think they will see it miraculously five pounds less, you know, and then they have to maintain it and good luck with that, you know, a lot of times. And so if you reverse it, reverse course, put some calories back in, hang out at maintenance, go crush it in the gym, bring up your intensity, just take a seat, and see what happens with that, you know? <laughs> Only good things. Totally agree. Um, the last question I wanna I wanna bounce off you before I let you go is there's there's anytime we have like a, a, a field, a, a, an industry, or just like a like right now, like fitness, whatever you would call that, the fitness industry, there's people on polar ends of, of certain arguments, and one is often created by the other. So you have people on one end who are like, calories don't matter at all. Mm -hmm. um, they don't, it's just, it's just, and then insert whatever boogeyman you want, but then there's another polar opposite. And I think you and I, and people like Jordan and stuff would be more on this end, but, but also not, not to this extreme of a degree, but what do you, what would you say to somebody who says, Hey, your messaging about 
calorie deficit. It's calories. It's how much you're eating. Like it's too simplistic. Like what, what do you think you'd say to that when somebody who claims kind of, man, this, this emphasis on calories is overly simplistic. Overly simplistic. Like there's other things at play. Sure. Then, then just, you know, I'm just, no, there's not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of research to back that up. I mean, it's science. And, and I think people want it to be complicated because then they can grab these people in, right. And say, Hey, this is, I got, I got the product for you. You know, let you know, I've got the answers. It's very complicated. It's not complicated. You know, there are people out there, you know, the Twinkie diet, that dude that ate Twinkies and he lost weight. He probably felt like shit. And I tell everybody, you're going to feel awful if you do something stupid like that. But it's just to point that you can just eat less and you'll, you'll lose weight. You know, Jordan had the Big Mac every day for, for, for 30 days, but he controlled what he ate the rest of the time to make it work. And it's just another example of, yeah, it is about calories, you know, and it is that simple. And, you know, if you want to lose weight, do you have to do percentages? Like when people start doing percentages with macros, my head explodes. I can tell. <laughs> because I, I don't do percent. I don't even, I'm not good at that at math. So, and the thing people are like, well, 30% of this and 40, I don't even know what that is. You know, just stop calories. I'm a big proponent of tracking your protein just because especially as you get older, you can reverse bone density issues, muscle, all that stuff. And also obviously it keeps you feeling full, all that kind of good stuff. So protein is kind of, you know, we got the king and the protein, maybe the queen, the assistant, whatever. After that, whatever calories you got left, put, make them to your preference because it, what, I don't have to count carbs. No, they're calories too. I mean, <laughs> right? Mind blown. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I'm so about keeping it simple. Um, and there's so many people out there that want to complicate it and it's just not that way. And people are just relieved when they can just keep the tracking down to just a couple things and that's it. And it works. It works. Yep. That's awesome. I think you said it. I think it is. If somebody says that it is that simple, that doesn't mean it's easy. But it Correct. is that simple. And, yeah. and and it goes back to our original question of like, okay, you want to lose fat. Where am I putting my eggs? It's like calories. Like This is where you should put all of your effort. And everything else is not useless, but probably a distraction. Um, yeah. I think, I don't know if you follow James Smith, but he, yes. I, I don't know if it's in his book or it's like in some of his content. He said that there's you and then there's the truth, calorie deficit. And in the middle here is the fitness industry trying to like hold the, the wool over your eyes so you don't see it. And it's like everything out there that isn't at least recognizing that calories are at the, you know, the base of the pyramid, the height of the hierarchy. At least there's something out there that's not recognizing that. It's like, oh, you have to drink the shake or you have to like this macro split. It's an attempt to hide you or distract you from that truth. So I love that answer. That's very great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? And I'm going to throw all of your social media and everything in the description of the episode. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot. Um, Sus everything is Susan Niebergall Fitness and it's N-I-E and it's not Suzanne in Bergall because people, can, you know, that's the funniest phenomenon. I thought people it don't know the what first the time. Did you really? The first time like, I ever saw I it, I thought it was Suzanne. Yep. Because people don't know, I guess, where the first name ends and the second name begins. What is uh, What nationality is Niebergall? 
German. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ne- that makes sense. Ne- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Niebergall is German. Um, so Susan Niebergall Fitness on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, Facebook, um, my YouTube channel. I'm doing a lot of stuff over on YouTube as well. Um, I have a podcast, the Strong and Lean at Any Age podcast, which um, I'm gonna have. You, you and I can talk about coming on. I would love for my audience to hear you too. That would be amazing. Be awesome. Um, and I kind of played with TikTok. You know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, you uh, know, I'm that. I've done informative stuff on TikTok that I can do. I'm never going to do the other. You can't dance. You're not TikTok stuff. dancing. I get it. Yeah. No, okay. no, I, I mm, no, I don't, <laughs> think so. I don't think so. There's only so much you can do. I mean, you know, and that is the truth. There's only so much, um, time in the day to, to devote to all of this. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure. All right, yeah. so that's the end of the episode, guys. And if you want to find Susan, I recommend that she's like by far one of my favorite people on social media. You should absolutely give her a follow and just binge all of her content and uh, you won't be disappointed. All right, guys? I will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.